Hello, welcome to this episode of Chronicles of War. I'm the story's author, Darren Michael Shaw. We rejoin the story this week right where we left off last time. It's Christmas of 1862, and Job and the men of Iowa's 26 volunteer infantry are being organized into General William Tecumseh Sherman's part of the campaign against Vicksburg. The men of the 26 have yet to see any real action. This river expedition promises to be their first engagement with the enemy. As always, I hope that you're enjoying the story. And now, here's episode 15, Chronicles of War. Christmas of 1862. The men were again ordered to the transports. Even as he readied his gear, Job's mind was on his wife and children. He wondered if Robert Dupree had succeeded in reaching the Trites farm with the gifts and Christmas greetings he had sent. Having finished his work and waiting on the others, Job made time to read through the birth narrative of Christ and to hum a favorite Christmas carol under his breath, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. This would be the 26th engagement in the Battle of Vicksburg, their first real engagement anywhere. General William Tecumseh Sherman's river expedition would meet General Ulysses Grant's overland campaign, hoping to essentially overwhelm the rebels. Certain that Grant would have Pemberton's Confederate forces pinned down, Sherman expected to make quick work of Vicksburg's lightly manned defenses. As the journey up the Yazoo River began, Job tapped William for information. The 24th and the 26th are going to protect the Johnson's Plantation Landing, the furthest removed of the landing sites. I don't expect that we will see the enemy. There's also talk of a maneuver to the west intended to distract Pemberton's lookouts. There it is, Job thought. The men of the 26th will be marching again, marching to quell the rebellion. Colonel Williamson, however, a man whom Job had come to greatly respect in the past few weeks, would lead Iowa's 4th Infantry right into the heart of the battle. Job had watched Williamson and his men board their transport. They were seasoned from their earlier engagement at Pea Ridge. They had a resolute look upon their faces. They appeared focused. By contrast, the men of the 24th and the 26th looked sore underprepared and completely unaware of what lie ahead. They clamored about finally seeing some action. Job was quite content to ride on the transports and march through the swamp. As darkness fell, most of the men had settled in. It was clear and cold, but at least the winds were still. It's Christmas Eve, Mr. Trites, young Thomas proclaimed as if Job needed a reminder. It is indeed, Thomas. Thomas surprised Job. Some of the men are expecting you to share something to mark the occasion. I'm not a chaplain, Thomas. No, but several of the men have heard you speak and know of your faith. Chaplain Leash remained in Helena. You are the closest thing we have to a minister. Well, suppose you allow me to give that some thought, Thomas. As Thomas walked away, Job looked up and down the transport. There was nothing that testified to the fact that the rest of the world was celebrating Christmas Eve. There were no candles, no greens, no carols, no apple cider, no gifts. No one had made provision. 
there was no room in the war for Christmas. Job turned back to the birth narrative of Christ, and then he stood up. He spoke, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. You could have heard a pin drop as to a man. They looked to Job with rapt attention. All went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Job carefully walked to the center of the men, turned from side to side as he continued. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger. Job paused and surveyed the scene. He looked about the men in their gear. He looked up and down the transport, at the river, at the shores, and up into the night sky. Then he concluded the reading, because there was no room for them in the inn. A man in the shadows spoke up, Do you have a homily for us? It wasn't spoken in jest. By his tone, Job knew that it was a serious inquiry. No, he answered, but I have a song. Job began to sing the first verse of the first Noel. A few voices joined him. Others hummed the tune. As they got to the line, on a cold winter's night that was so deep, tears filled Job's eyes. By the chorus of Noel's, those tears fell freely over his cheeks. Assuming that the lyrics to Hark the Herald Angels Sing might be more familiar, Job switched tunes. Again, a handful of voices accompanied him, while others hummed along. Job knew all three verses by memory, so he sang the song complete. When he finished, it was silent. Job returned to his bedroll. Merry Christmas, he offered, as he sat down. Clergy, he thought to himself. The morning of the 26th saw the first of the transports landing at Johnson's plantation. Three Union divisions disembarked there, while one more division continued further up the Yazoo River. Those in authority met and looked over maps and charts. William had taken his usual spot near the discussion. He followed all their pointing and gesticulating, occasionally nodding as if they had summoned his opinion. They're concerned about Grant's location, William later confided in Job. They've sent the 4th Infantry upriver because they're not sure where Grant is. Between here and there are thick entanglements of trees, swamp, and bodies of water. This won't be an easy advance. They're sending de Courcy's brigade forward to assess things, so we're not moving anywhere yet. Job wasn't one to worry, but he was one who took a careful accounting of things spoken and returned to those words often to gather perspective. Not sure where Grant is, for instance. The entire plan, as he understood it, was for Sherman's advance from the river to meet Grant's advance overland. Grant's overland force was to have occupied the rebel defenses. It seemed to Job as if not knowing where Grant was provided a formidable concern. He tried to settle himself away from anxiety. He penned a note home. My dearest, greetings from a new swamp. 
This one appears to afford us not only the mud with which to get dirty, but rivers in which to wash clean. How gracious of our God in his creation. Job continued with the usual mention of the surroundings, comparing trees and brush with those that members of his family would know back home. As he brought the note to a close, he teased, God is calling me to ministry. I have preached, prayed, and judged in his name. And this circuit he has me on. No other circuit-riding preacher has ever experienced anything like this before. He penned his usual signature, but followed it with two titles, The Parson Trites for Harriet's Benefit and Father Your Father for His Children. This concludes episode 15 of Chronicles of War. Thank you for tuning in. Whether you've gathered the podcast through iTunes or directly from my website, whether you've subscribed, downloaded, or streamed the audio, it is my privilege to share this story with you, so thank you very much. I also want to invite you to visit my website, www.darrenmichaelshaw.com, where you can learn more about me, you can find links to others of my writing projects and a link to my personal blog. You can also sign up there for email updates through my site. Again, I appreciate your help in getting word out about this podcast. We're up over 1,200 subscribers now. I'm humbled and amazed and so very thankful to you. Until next time, I'm Darren Michael Shaw. So long.